It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. On this News and Views Thursday, everybody's talking about the happenings in Washington, D.C. yesterday. But are they getting to the deeper story, the God story? Are we trying to start a dialogue? Are you hearing everything? And I'm not coming to you from a right-leaning, I voted for Trump point of view. I'm not coming to you from a Trump is evil point of view. I'm coming from, I want to find the deeper story, the truth, the God story point of view. If I miss the mark, you can email me, tweak me. I'm only human. But today, what we're going to be looking at is some of the failings of the press and how they're failing me and you by not reporting as they should. Get the whole story. Even if we don't like the story, even if we think the people they're reporting on are crazy. I want to hear what their beef is. I want to hear a little more to the story. Has the press failed us? And where do we have to be a little bit smarter? We're going to be talking about your rights. When one person's rights are violated, are everyone's rights violated? Should Donald Trump just be forced to shut up on Twitter and Facebook? But how does that affect you? We're going to talk about the deeper story, but in all of these things, reporting all things and getting the dialogue going I want to get to the God story. Is there a deeper story in all of this that can lead us to a deeper truth and give us hope? Michael Austin is from Christian History Magazine, and you hear him on this News and Views Thursday program often, um, mostly weekly. But yesterday, Michael was in Washington, D.C. He wanted to kind of see what was going on there, be part of history, and be there on the ground to given eye view of what was going on. He was literally next to all of the mayhem, didn't even know what was going on. So we're going to hear what it really looked like, not just what's being reported out there, but what was really going on from Michael Austin. So how was your experience yesterday in Washington, D.C., as the rest of us in the United States were looking on in awe? Well, it was very interesting. I got there far later than I intended. I only arrived there about between 3 and 4. I don't know the exact time, probably about 3.30. And um, so much had happened at that time, and I had no idea that uh, someone had been shot, that there was a um, an attempted um, raid, or I'm not sure how you would describe that. At least um, a breach, we could say. It's at least a breach on the Capitol, yeah. Well, you know, people are calling it a breach, but it's interesting that um, uh, that they're, they're characterizing it that way because um, other groups, in fact, um, Black Lives Matter, um, last year was routinely allowed into the, in fact, they were invited into the chamber and um they invite the public to come and um, you can go there and go into the chamber um meet people and and watch what's going on i wondered uh, about why that's not getting out that the um capital isn't closed off it's not as though uh 
there are it's not like trying to get into Buckingham Palace, you know, where you have these guards sitting there That's right. with stone face. Uh, the public is mm-hmm. welcome because this is the people's place. So th- do Correct. keep that in mind. But it was it. But but having said that, it it was a rush in climb on the walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was mayhem, and that's true. But this is not as is being reported. It's not unprecedented. We've seen that uh, several times in in the past, and even in this past year. Uh, but that's the impression that America's getting of 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 what took place. When really there was also, in addition to that, uh, and not excusing uh, violent behavior, illegal behavior at all. Uh, let's take a stand against that. Absolutely. But what we're not seeing, Michael, uh, you may uh, you may now know in the aftermath, is that there were thousands of people that were there from all over the country, from middle America, from yeah. uh, moms and dads, and they were there uh, for for peaceful reasons as well. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, in the majority. I think this was the only incident, but we have come to um, expect this because, of course, Trump bad, uh, orange man bad, so um, <laughs> I think it's an opportunity <laughs> Well, we're de- yeah, we're demonizing instead of looking at oh, yeah. uh, the whole story. What did you see when you were there? When I arrived, um, <clears throat> I actually drove uh, right up to the Capitol building. Uh, of course, you can't be at the building. I was uh, about a block away because there are grounds around the Capitol. Okay. But I got right to the uh, perimeter of the building and. Anyway, I started taking some pictures. The police uh, actually uh, released, started releasing tear gas because uh, they wanted the crowd to disperse. And uh, apparently the mayor had put a curfew on, a six o'clock curfew. And now when I found that out about that, it was about four thirty, five o'clock. So I was, um, you know, getting prepared to leave in any event, but what I did was I circulated in the crowd and took some pictures, took some video. I saw a, you know, really a massive um, amount of police and um, National Guard people, you know, and I I didn't understand why there were so many of them, but uh, after I got the news, I realized that 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 whole group of, uh, of people police officers, soldiers, and whatnot, uh, near the Capitol. That's, that's why, likely why they were there. Um, I think it, I just happened to be walking through an area, a staging area, or a place where they were parking their vehicles and, and getting ready. But these, um, you know, these, uh, personnel, uh, if you will, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously, getting ready for something or um, waiting for, for to get orders to do something. There were a couple of levels above. There were rows of policemen, and that's where the um, tear gas was released. And basically the tear gas just they kind of floated down from above <laughs> um, onto us. And uh, that I did get hit with tear gas. Which is not a pleasant thing. I mean, when you get hit with tear gas, you turn and you you move. 
Um, so people were rubbing their eyes and turning and and uh, moving away. <clears throat> that would dissipate, and then people would come back. Actually, I um, I thought that uh, what they were doing was exactly what they were doing, and that is they were um, they were wanting people to leave the area. Okay. And um, the 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 folks that were there were were um, you know reacting to the police. Um, they were giving them a finger. They were uh, yelling obscenities at them. And that's that's basically all it was. It was just a verbal back and forth. And I think the people were were being obnoxious because the police were uh, tear gassing them and uh, and asking them to leave. I didn't see any violence going on. Um, I did see the presence of police. There were a couple of rows of policemen on the level where I was. I was between. You know, I, as you approach the Capitol building, you have uh, uh, big um, steps that go up, and uh, and there's like two levels until you get up to where the rotunda is and the entrance to the building. So I was in the lower lower portion. I could send you a picture. Michael, we're seeing a lot nationally on the news uh, the ugly things that happened, we're not really seeing some of the boring things, the everyday people that were there as well. What did that look like? Well, you know, this this was, um, they were there to uh, show their support of Trump and to hear his speech. Um, most people had Trump uh, flags or Trump uh, hats or, or whatnot. Um, and my my encounter with that group was this was after the whole event was over and so people were milling about talking and chatting um it seemed to me that there was a desire to stay on the scene not just just to leave um but you know that and and some of them were sharing in other words um there were several people I noticed that had a, a cell phone. Most people had a cell phone with them. Uh, a lot of people were taking pictures, uh, video and whatnot. I, I saw people being interviewed. There were press members am, among the, the crowd. And it was very peaceable. But there was this um, uh, this, scent, this uh, reaction to such a, a large uh, show of police uh, presence and the police were doing their job, which was to uh, tell people to go home. And um, they, you know, thousand, <laughs> we're only talking about several thousand people uh, in a crowd that may have been three or 400,000. So it was just, just the people in the area there who were, uh, kind of, uh, yeah, they they were not happy uh, being tear gassed. I don't think and they would so be they either, were, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's so nice to get yelling. that inside view. Um, with it was mm -hmm. so nice to get this from you, Michael. And I'll let you go because I know you have a trip that okay. you are planning another place that uh, you're going to be gracing. Yeah. And uh, God bless you Thank and you. Uh, safe journeys to you. Okay, Michelle, have a great evening. You bye too. Bye. bye bye. Joining us, Kurt. 
Curtis Hauk. Curtis is the managing editor for Newsbusters. Looking through the happenings of yesterday, I was outraged and embarrassed to be uh, so long in the media looking at how we have failed to really report it is a dangerous place that we're in right now. But am I going off the rails? Well, there may be some truth to what I'm saying. And we're going to take it on with Cur Curtis How Curtis, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you. So I was really taken back by a lot of the reporting yesterday, a lot of assumptive reporting, uh, things that you would not have heard. And I could not help but drop comparisons. And we're seeing it in the news a lot today between the... As opposed to some of the reporting that went on after some of the rioting and mobs that took place this summer, the tolerance of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, they, people were called thugs. Uh, they said, well, if this were, and they're saying today, if this were a Black Lives Matter movement, they would have used tear gas. They did use tear gas. Uh, they were saying that it's, un, uh, even the uh, president-elect said this is the an assault on um, the people and public servants, and it's unprecedented. We haven't seen anything like it. Many people who in the press were saying, well, this is uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the mobs and the burning down of buildings and the assault on police. This is all an outpouring of what happens when people feel disenfranchised. And, and it's, it's for peace and it's for a better reason, but their tone changed. That is not the place of the media. That's the place of commentary there. Boom, I said it. Now, let's get to some of the facts and what's really out there. Curtis, help us out. Yeah, so the first important, most importantly, four people died yesterday, okay? So, and that's something we didn't really see in terms of death tolls over the summer. You know, uh, David Dorn, you know, in uh, one of the Black Lives Matter riots, you know, he, his name was not really mentioned by the news media. Um, and all the injuries to police officers as well. This is just straight gaslighting by the news media that come out to try and suggest that, uh, you know, there's a double standard here. You know, first of all, for Kamala Harris to suggest that there's a justice system that does not work equally for all. As Attorney General of California, she ordered a raid on citizen journalist David Daleiden because he didn't like what he ex they didn't like what he exposed about Planned Parenthood here. Um, so yeah, it's straight gaslighting. They're ignoring facts. They're ignoring reality. And really, they're seeing an opening here to gaslight Americans on race and further to divide each other. They see that the left is so incensed about what happened yesterday, as is everyone else. But what they're doing is they're taking the rage on the left and they're channeling it into hatred, there I said it, of any and all people who do not think, look like, or vote like they do. Um, you know, so it's, it's just absolute nonsense. It's bigotry on another regard, and it has no place in the media. Look, I don't know what people's personal views are, and I don't want to know. It used to be back in the day, if you're listening and going, well, this is just the way things are. Look, back in the day, reporting used to be reporting that it was a badge of honor for those of us in the media to not be able to be identified with what our personal feelings were, who we would vote for, how we felt about 
about a news issue. You report the facts, you report what's going on, you report both sides. Even if one side seems a little bit outlandish, you report on it because it's part of the story. But all we're seeing is editorializing and we are omitting a lot of things that should be reported as well. Well, what we're seeing here, here's another conspiracy theory that we're seeing started by, uh, I think Joy Reid was one of the first to show it yesterday, and it's kind of continued on since then, which is the Capitol P- Police, the FBI, the, um, uh, the Secret Service, D.C. Metro Police, purposefully allowed the violence to take place that they saw the mob storm the Capitol and they allowed them to go through because they looked at them and saw that many of them were white and it brought them joy. It brought them okay, happiness me, that white people were doing this. Let me bring you something uh, from a, a right-leaning source and a couple of them who believed that a lot of folks in that mob were Antifa and they believed that they were allowed in so that they could affect what did take place where people who said that they were going to be more in support of uh, a Trump idea and challenging some of the election results changed their minds. So we can see it on both sides, but it's not reporting. That is just irresponsible. I, I, I think the important point here is no matter what you're thinking about what's going on, I personally uh, I'm just speaking for myself. I haven't seen that evidence to my satisfaction yet, but I think the important point that we can all come to the agreement on is the this is more demonization of law enforcement here. And I think that is just absolutely wrong in this situation, and it's what we're seeing is more race baiting from the news media here, and, and you're talking about reporting. It's just irresponsible about what's going on. Suggesting that pe- people on the right who condemn violence don't actually mean it, as Chuck Todd did yesterday afternoon, saying it's empty concern. Uh, it's just so vile to just assume the worst vile. about your fellow men and women who just simply have different political views, who didn't vote for Joe Biden. They may not have voted for Donald Trump, but they didn't vote for Joe Biden. They may have voted for Republicans for Congress or Senate, but that's not allowed for these people, and that's what they're going to be doing in the you know weeks and months to come. Even those who denounced what happened yesterday and even you know agree with them about what happened. Uh, in term, they they would say that it was Trump supporters. They're still going to take a mile away and say that you know all Republicans, all conservatives, 74 million people supported and encouraged and helped. I don't know. Plan what was going on yesterday, and it's just wrong. And again, it's devoid of reality. It's divorced from reality. But again, these people will not face any accountability because if it rings true to them, it is true. And that's a big problem. First of all, as you mentioned, saying that the outrage at any kind of violence yesterday or a breach of legality is insincere. They might take a look at their own ideology and realize at least at the very least it was said none of that was said when uh, when I live in the Seattle area when our city was burning down and other cities across America throughout the summer uh, the other thing that I wanted to get to in in this is the ignorance the media has a responsibility to help us to put things in perspective and to remember history, but they don't. Even uh, Joe Biden, and of course he, this may be political, he stood up and said, this is like in, unlike anything we've ever experienced. This is unprecedented. 
Yesterday was a very bad day. Okay. Yes, it was. I don't think anybody denies that. It was not a good day for America. It's something that we're going to remember for a long time. But it's, hopefully, uh, right? For <laughs> but Kurt, we do have uh, I short think, right? I think uh, Kurt Schlichter from Town Hall noted yesterday. You know what else was a bad day in American history? Antietam. Okay, like I mean, seriously, people. You know, you look at some of these worst days. You know, in American history here. Um, you know, obviously, nine eleven is one. Pearl Harbor is another yes. one. The day Lincoln was shot. I mean, the list goes on and on about the single worst days. We're coming off. You know, we just started twenty twenty one. People were saying twenty twenty was the worst year ever, not just in American history, world history. <laughs> it's, I'm and pretty it's sure like, thir- it's, right. It's like twenty twenty one is like, oh yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, the idea that like go ask, you know, nineteen forty one, nineteen forty two. You know, go ask, you know, people who like lost family members or survived the Holocaust in Europe oh, if goodness, if the yeah. year if they if twenty twenty was worse than that, you know? Or ask it or go look at history about, you know, is it the thirteen hundreds, fifteen hundreds with the bubonic plague, okay, when Europe lost a third of its population. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, we've had worse years in world history than you know, than than 2020 it was a bad one yes and same thing yesterday was a very bad day but guess what it's perspective and we're not downplaying it all we're just asking people to breathe take a chill pill breathe put it in perspective but we aren't hearing and uh, or reminded of some of the times in history and and realizing no this isn't unprecedented there is nothing new under the sun but i say that the media does have a great culpability in some of the issues that are taking place they have a culpability in this disenfranchisement of a certain segment of, of the population they have a culpability in not getting out information I realize that there are many people who had no idea why Trump supporters uh, felt uh, that the election was robbed from them. When we see uh, something happening on the news and we're going, what's their beef? That's because we're not being told. Right. I think I think there's a number of important layers here. First of all, you know, I I come at it from in terms of the election, I come at it from a more moderate perspective, me personally. um, But I think the important point that's not in dispute is that the meat you can say you can argue use the phrase stole in terms of the media stole the election in terms of censoring, hiding, downplaying, you know, pick a word, certain stories. And, you know, when it comes to things like voting machines and whatnot, I'm someone who really hasn't bought any into any of that. But I think where we can come to a lot of agreement on the right is what the media did in this election. And I think that's a really important thing and what's something that we need to remember going forward here and why we should be thankful for, you know, this internet age that we live in. I always say that it's a net positive. We love to talk about how bad Twitter is. We love to talk about how bad the internet is. Um, but I think at the same time, uh, we think back again, using perspective, going back decades when there was only three networks in your local newspaper. And if it didn't happen in one of those four, you know, places, it didn't happen. People didn't really know about it, but now you can use this balanced perspective. And I encourage people to even take in news sources and places that they may disagree with. And I think that's just really important. It's a part of a healthy media diet. 
Yeah, I wasn't one to buy into a lot of the um, extraneous. Well, there's a, there's just widespread fraud. I, I I looked at that skeptically, but if we don't know uh, the ins and outs of what's happening, if we don't get to hear someone's viewpoint, if they feel shut out, then we see people who feel disenfranchised. We see uh, people who are angry, frustrated. We create a greater chasm. The conversation should be happening in the media. What I can get excited about is there are things on the internet, as you mentioned, like newsbusters.org, a very good site to go to. You can find a link everywhere you're listening to this broadcast, newsbusters.org. They will take on a lot of what you hear in a one-stop shop and, and bring them to task. You guys are doing a fine job. And boy, it's too, I, I, I hate to say this. I say this every time we talk. I, I wish we were in a place where you were just not necessary. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we've often said that. Uh, I've been with this will coming up. It'll be oh gosh, six or seven years for me at this point. Um, but the people that have been there since the beginning uh, have often said that. But that's not really the case. Um, if if the media were responsible, we would not be where we are right now uh, in terms of those of us that work here. But here we are, and we're continuing. Uh, you know, well full speed ahead because as long as people continue to buy into the point if it rings true to them and it is true when it's actually spin uh there's going to be room for people like us to correct the record that's right and because uh we should know the truth and the truth should set us free curtis Halk, he is a wonderful guest to have and i so appreciate your time newsbusters.org thanks again anytime michelle it's off the wall commentary. Let's take it off the wall. Mark Griswold, thanks for joining us. Let's take this off the wall as we seem to be falling off the wall in America. It's like Humpty Dumpty. Will we be able to put the pieces back together again? People are saying these are unprecedented times. And an unprecedented act yesterday. Indeed, it is pretty disheartening. And people that should be toning down the rhetoric. I saw a post from Senator Patty Murray that said we all need to remain calm and not be divisive. And then went on to use extremely divisive language. And just in the normal everyday speech of most of, uh, I'm not going to say me and a lot of people I know, but a lot of people out there. Uh, we just segment the, the media segments, politician segments, and they do it, I don't think, out of malice, but just because that's what's politically correct. Oh, black, white, women, men. You know what? We all need to be actually segmented more. We all need to be segmented into 330 million different parts somewhere around there because we're all individuals. We're all minorities of one. And <laughs> What is the problem with socialism is in an effort to make us all equal, it groups us all together and uh, forgets that we're individuals. And then we wonder why we're all aborting babies and murders, uh, you know, people are getting murdered and things like that. And, and even what happened yesterday. Now, I don't know. There's some reports that it might have been some Antifa 
false flag operation, and that's certainly occurred in history before, so I'm not going to discount that. But even if it was Trump supporters, they ended up falling into a mob mentality. And that's why mobs are so dangerous, because the mob takes over, and socialism, communism, anything like that is just the mob mentality taken to its very extreme. It's a human condition problem that is not necessarily a characteristic of the left or the right, but of humanity in general. Um, and also the the danger that we fall into in characterizing everyone while we tribe up, we get this comfort in accusing others and putting them all in the box and saying, this is what they are like. When we saw the Black Lives Matter movement and today kind of as a, a sad response to many people saying, oh, you guys are hypocrites. Hello, press. Uh, I was one of the first to do that. <laughs> they have said, well, there's a difference between the Black Lives Matter movement and what happened at the Capitol. But I'm going to tell you why, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too, Mark, why so much of this is very similar of what we saw. We see people characterizing, uh, a lot of people on the right did characterize black people and people protesting as all thugs and and their mobs and and such. When I saw when I was at... uh, when I was at George Floyd Square, an incident happened where a policeman shot uh, a black individual. The people in the forefront of the movement were going in front of the mobs and putting themselves in harm's way and saying, no, this was, a, this was justified. The, this man shot first. Look, here's video proof. We've got to stand down and we've got to cause uh, ourselves to have dialogue instead of a mob mentality. So not everybody wa- were the people that we saw in Chop and Chaz and in the violence. Additionally, the the other issue is that they they're saying, well, in the in this, you know, you're 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 coming against the government. There were tear gas. If these were black people, there was there's going to be tear gassed and people will, would be shot. That's exactly what happened. Uh, if you're not seeing it on the news, you may have watched it yesterday. Tear gas was used. A woman was shot. So, Mark. Uh, we try to make our tribe seem like we're the good guy and the other people are evil, but we're missing the mark. And I'd like your thoughts on this. You're absolutely right. Uh, the In any mob, it's the minority that's causing all the violence. I mean, people are talking about how violent it was yesterday at the Capitol. Now, I, I don't know. I caught bits and pieces of it, so I don't know how many people actually stormed the Capitol building. But from what I understand... It was relatively few, maybe let's say it was a couple hundred. Well, there were hundreds of thousands of people, Trump supporters, in Washington, D.C. yesterday. If the entire mob, if Trump supporters in general were violent, well, there would be no capital standing right now, chances are. It was maybe a few hundred people out of hundreds of thousands. So we like to project the acts of a few. And again, same thing with Black Lives Matter, right? Uh, And I will go back to something I said, you know, you mentioned we're very quick to portray those we disagree with as everybody's wrong. And I, you know, I want to clarify when I was saying communism and socialism, these are bad. I'm talking about the policies and I will absolutely stand firm to say that those policies 
are horrendous and evil. And that doesn't mean that everybody that adopts those policies are horrendous and evil. In fact, most people that adopt evil policies are not evil. They're just stupid. And that might be hard to hear. That might be mean. I think that's a little harsh because I think uh, a lot of people no. who come from that mindset are doing it for a good reason. And and conversely, we can see where capitalism uh, can have evil that, that uses it to oppress people, it can happen. That's why our nation, at the founding, they said it, it, this is uh, for a, a holy and, and, and God-fearing people. It's really inefficient to the governance of any other. Right. No, exactly. I mean, no system's perfect because only God is perfect and we're fallen man. But people that say, well, no, I, I, I mean well. And I didn't I didn't mean for that to happen. Well, if you look at the course of history and socialism has never worked, uh, I'm sorry, your your intentions mean nothing. It's all about results. And if your good intentions are producing bad results, you're doing it wrong. And again, sorry, it hurts people's feelings, but you're stupid. Wake up. Ouch. Well, uh, yeah. I also wanted to point out that an, another thing that we do, uh, we forget that a lot of the people who are there are not the kind of people who their their core belief system is not taking down an American flag and putting up a Trump flag or to because the flag means something. They there's a respect for the military and those who get, are willing to give up their life for the flag. Uh, those folks are not uh, in general the kind of people who will are given to that kind of disorder that's why usually when you see rallies like like uh, a, a a more right-leaning rally you see not a lot of garbage left over people pick up after themselves that's their characteristics I'm not saying that they're better people I'm just saying that some of the the slam that is being attributed you know, you do have to put it in context, just like we needed to with Black Lives Matter. Not everybody was there saying we need to bring down the government and dismantle the police. Many people were saying, hey, we just want to have a dialogue. See, to me, it's a human nature issue. And our press is so sadly missing the mark. And this mark, uh, this was so disturbing to me. People saying now that for the last uh, less than a month that the president has in office that they want to remove him from office they want to impeach him and I am just, it's as though we cannot get enough of, it's not just that you have to lose, we have to punish you too. What derision? Yeah, and it's it's just bad politics from a purely political strategy. The guy's got two weeks to go. He, this morning, he's come out and he's finally thrown in the towel. Uh, you know, as president, I think the movement will go on. Uh, but guys, you, the mob mentality has uh, taken over the brains of a large number of people in Congress. That just they are so filled with orange man bad hate that they can't just say, okay, you know what? We've got two weeks. Like, let's just run out the clock. It's fine. We won. Congratulations, guys. Well, I, I, I truly hope that this time around socialism works because uh, it would be a beautiful thing. You know, as uh, Reagan said, uh, socialism only works in two places, heaven where they don't need it and hell where they already have it. 
So, you know, maybe this is the time ouch. that it will work. <laughs> good, ouch, uh, but a very yeah. good, a very good quote. And I'll say, and I'll say one, uh, one more thing, and, and I'll be a little divisive here again, or a lot divisive. Uh, clearly, the opinions I state, I believe, are right, or else I wouldn't state them. I mean, sometimes I, I'm a contrarian, and I like to take the opposite point, but I, I do it nuanced. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. I, we both could be wrong. That, that's also a possibility, and it's, it's probably a very good possibility because, again, none of us are God, and we know he's right. But some of us are certainly more right, and some of us are more wrong, and you've got to be able to call that. We can't just keep going with, oh, let's all just get together, and all, all opinions are valid, and let's just sing kumbaya. No, some opinions are not valid, and if you study history – you will see through research which opinions are not valid. I mean, the, the very thing we started off with and saying, uh, oh, this is unprecedented. What is happening at the Capitol? No, that is a wrong statement. That is factually untrue. So All right, so let's parse to... through that. How do we move forward from there? Because if we we come to the table and and say okay there's some things that are are untrue they're just there's truth and there's untruth got it but we do have to have dialogue and that means people are going to come to the table with ideas that are that are invalid or wrong that includes us and that's where we have to sure. come to the table saying all right we're here to learn from each other we're here to listen and you know what you may be wrong you know i have a not just an opinion but i have have uh, what I think is scientific, biblical evidence that my faith is real. But some of my best friends are atheist, agnostic, pagan. I, I want to hear their points of view. Do I think that they're right spiritually? No. But what they have to say matters to me. And in that dialogue, maybe we can find truth. Maybe I can grow. Maybe they can uh, get to know God. I think that's where I, where all of this needs to get to. Maybe we won't see it on a political scale. Maybe we're starting to see the decline of, of America. But here's the point. You said it today. No system is perfect perfect. And in addition, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall. Uh, rulers die, nations come to an end. But there is something that is eternal. And that's what we really have to look for is the God story. When the world and the country is falling apart, how can we be brought together with God and be in a better place and be part of something that you say that now is part of my daily mantra. How can I be the change that I want to be in the world? So I will, I will say two more things. One, uh, at some point you can't have a dialogue. If two people are so diametrically opposed, then you can't have a dialogue. And, you know, if a husband and wife are so diametrically opposed that they're never going to see eye to eye, they get a divorce. Uh, so, at yeah, point... I don't know that I agree with that because, uh, yes, that does happen, but it doesn't have to. You can diametrically, to, you can be completely in disagreement and still have respect for someone else's opinion and find a way to work it out between you. You really can. That can happen. And that's my whole point that maybe in, in our human failings, it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Right. And so I will, I will give my solution to what is going on. And it is my opinion, 
but I am so sure that my opinion is right, and here is why. I am a libertarian beyond all things. That means I believe in freedom beyond all things. I don't care if someone wants to be a socialist in their own life. Just don't make me be a socialist. So the beauty about America is it was founded on this freedom principle, even down to the Constitution and the Tenth Amendment, where theoretically we're supposed to be giving states individual rights, where the states do most of what needs to be done by government, and the federal government does very little. The problem is, and the reason that our country is falling apart, is because we've given the federal government and the executive department so much power that people are concerned. No one should be concerned about who becomes president either way, because the president just shouldn't have that that much power. So if we respect people, and, and respect means, you know what, I've got this plan I want to do. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to come along. I always say, you know what, I won't make you donate money to the NRA if you don't make me donate money to the National Endowment of the Arts. If you want to ask me, I've given money to art programs. I've got no problem with it. And if you do uh, some research, you'll see that conservatives on the whole give far more money to charities of all kinds than people on the left. Again, that's a blanket statement. I know it is. But again, ask me. Ask me what you want to donate to. I, I will more than likely be happy to donate it to it. Don't stick a gun to my head and force me to do it, whether it's a, a war overseas or anything else. I, I, I don't want to be a part of it. But if you ask me, you know, maybe I will. And if not, we'll go our separate ways. You do you and I do me, as, as some people say. But the problem is one side is saying, no, you have to do me. So you have to do me. (laughs) That's a that's a great way to put it. You have to do me. Uh, Bringing it back home to the God story, as we always do, that is something that does happen in nations and societies that elevate God's word. And the thought of of God, because in him there's freedom, there's freedom to choose if you want to serve him and there's freedom not to choose. We live with the consequences and then convert and then in, 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 as a result, we blame God. Where were you in this? That's kind of crazy. A subject for another day. But God gives us that choice if we're going to do his thing or if we're going to if or if we're going to do us and us alone. But. In, in that, there is that freedom, the very freedom that you're, you're, you're talking about, but on a spiritual level where we can have that change in our own heart, in our own lives, to uh, have more of a, a grasp on freedom. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll end with this to bring it around to the God story because that is the most important thing. What happened yesterday that seems so important right now will be a footnote in history and not very long you will have and something we'll about forget this. about just like those other four times that congress was breached and nobody remembers <laughs> we'll and, forget and about this in, too ouch and just and just in general the things that you think are so important today you will not care about in 20 years and on the on the reverse things that you don't think are that important today you know the hug you gave your kids I'm cheering up here because it's, it's so true. Uh, that, that's what's going to last for 20 years. That, that's, that's what you're going to be thinking about on your deathbed. So don't, don't turn off the news. Just don't pay attention to it for a while. I mean, it's important to know what's going on, but it's not that important. Your family's more important. 
<laughs> I love that. And, and even deeper, only one life, this too will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Maybe it's time for us to really look for that God story. What a fun, uh, vibrant conversation this has been. Mark, you're a good friend, and I so enjoy our time together. Hey, right back at you. So here we are in the aftermath of yet another happening that has us on our toes or maybe should be on our knees. Today we're looking at what took place yesterday and some of the consequences to all of us if we're not careful. What is the media's culpability? Uh, where are we looking at some serious changes that we might have to think twice about? Well, I wanted to introduce our next guest, Chief Marketing Officer with Agency Partner Interactive, a digital marketing firm based in Dallas, Texas. Uh, our guest's name is Adam Rizzieri. Is it, is that, am I pronouncing your name right, That Adam? was way better than literally every Darn. first day of school. It's not perfect though, you know, right? <laughs> you know, I, oh, it was actually, it was really, really good. I mean, <laughs> the first day of school growing up, people would throw letters <laughs> in there that didn't even exist. I heard Rosario one time. Yeah, you got Rosario. Very good. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that. No, I, I get it. I get it. That's fun. Um, well, welcome to a new day of school. We need we school needs to be in session. We need to be learned a few things because I'm a little bit concerned. We know that uh, sometimes the president as he still is, has tweeted things that you just cringe at. He said things that you go, what are you thinking? He has uh, put out things that we may even see as inflammatory and ridiculous. And so Twitter removed a couple of tweets from the president's account yesterday. And now he has, they, they have suspended his account. Facebook has outright blocked Trump until at least uh, the transition is complete. Complete. And that means the president won't be able to post on Facebook or Instagram until after the 20th of January. And I'd like your thoughts if maybe we've gone a little bit too far. Oh, absolutely. Can you believe that a social media platform, a, a supposed public forum, a place for free speech to exist, would literally silence one of our branches of government? You know, literally taking Trump's account and giving it a 12-hour timeout, and then Facebook quickly follows Twitter's lead and doesn't just give it a 12-hour timeout, but it blocks them for two weeks. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented. It's, it's absolutely unreal. When you, when you consider that some of the content that Trump was posting most recently, yes, of course, it was content related to the election. It was content related to concerns that – at least according to surveys, 39% of Americans um, share a sentiment for, which is really just integrity behind the election. Um, you know, when you, when, you, when you think about everything that you could potentially put on a social media platform, and if, if you think about, you know, maybe that, that post that uh, 
you know, your cousin or your friend put up there that you thought was just terrible. And then you look at what the president was posting. <laughs> there's just no comparison, you know? I know, <laughs> um, I know. And, and I'm sorry. I know I'm going to offend 50% of my audience, but there, I, I, I'm, or maybe I think statistically we're looking at 36. Sometimes Trump looks like a buffoon and I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. <laughs> True story. But you are right. I'm also embarrassed by some things that uh, my cousin's, put up on social media i'm embarrassed sometimes frankly by some of the things i've put up when they come oh, up yeah. as memories but <laughs> should we really be afraid of people's thoughts and ideas i mean mark zuckerberg uh had uh tweeted or not tweeted he put up on facebook let's just be honest <laughs> uh a, kind of a a replay of some things that biden had said they talked about the shocking events of the last 24 hours showing how Trump intends to use his remaining time to undermine the peaceful, lawful transition of power, uh, according to Joe Biden. Uh, Zuckerberg said that they took him down because they judged that the effect uh, might be further violence. So they're trying to subvert the violence by subverting mm -hmm. free speech. They're a private company. They can do it. But what you can do and should do may be two different things. You're right. You're right. Now, so they are a private company, but they're also a company just like Twitter that functions under what you might say is just like this blanket protection of of uh, Section 230, which I'm sure your, your listeners have heard about uh, at least a little bit lately. Section 230 really just kind of gives these social media platforms immunity from anything that anybody might post on their on their platforms. So when you have social media platforms then making a decision about you know, what to throttle up and what to throttle down from a discussion perspective, they're, they're kind of not really functioning as like a as a facilitator of conversation, but they're really acting more like, you know, maybe a DJ at a club, play this song and turn that song off or, or um, you know, enable this conversation, but, but stifle that one. It, it sounds a, a little bit, right. They're a publisher. Well put. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to cut you off, but That's okay. it, it sounds a little bit like, our college campuses when somebody comes that we don't have a compatible view with we don't just protest outside we shut them down we go down we scream them down uh, we can even sometimes become violent it looks almost like what we saw that is called unprecedented at the capitol yesterday that's happening on college campuses and has been for years it's very dangerous especially when you consider that you know, a college campus should be a place where people are allowed to really just be a sponge for all of this new knowledge and then make decisions for themselves about, you know, what they want to believe and what they want to do. Um, and so when it comes to these social platforms, really making decisions about what they think we should be exposed to, what they think um, we'll do if we're exposed to certain conversations, it's ridiculous, you know, but there's also a double standard here as well. If you look at some of the other uh, types of content that have come from world leaders on Twitter specifically, you've got the supreme leader of Iran literally denying the Holocaust and trying to spark religious genocides. I mean, and, and this is this is content that Twitter is getting a little bit of flack from uh, from the Israeli government, but they're choosing to leave that kind of content on their platform. So there's really like this kind of flip flop behind their policies about what policies to kind of live behind today and then which policies to sort of harp on tomorrow and, you know, who we're going to let sort of have the, the microphone and, and, and just, it, it's really kind of crazy if you think about it. There's just no consistency here. Um, 
well, if I'm being honest, there's a little bit of consistency here. We're seeing a lot of conservative voices being silenced. That's consistent. Uh, today on Twitter, Dan Bongino was just put on a 12-hour um, uh, mute or a 12-hour block, if you will. And he's one of many, right? I, I've actually had content uh, censored by Twitter. I don't even I don't even have a huge following on Twitter, right? Who, who am I? I'm just a marketer. <laughs> but but Twitter can literally censor the president of the United States and any one of us, right? We're we're all subject to this. And so when they're using a combination of algorithms and then human fact checkers and human censors to make decisions about which content and which conversations are going to proliferate on their on their platforms. If they can really just pick and choose who to dial up and who to dial down, I mean, what's to say that they can't really dictate the future of a, of a country? We saw with Facebook as a platform, um, there was a there was a religious genocide that was uh, basically promoted by a, a very terrible government over in Myanmar. They used Facebook to do that. They used Facebook to basically um, serve as a as an outlet to um, kind of influence and, and convince their their. Uh, their public that this one religious group was not a good group. And so realizing that these social platforms have that sort of ability, you know, just as an information source, if you can convince people uh, just by controlling the narrative that one group is bad and one group is good, it's pretty dangerous here, right? We're not seeing the same consistency with Twitter and Facebook and and other things. That's leading us to a place where if we were to turn the tables, we would we would be outraged if some of uh, the other voices were silenced. Wasn't it weird that yesterday we weren't seeing descriptions of you know fiery but mostly peaceful? <laughs> I mean, right? Just, it, it's like you said, you're, you're you're right on. There there is definitely this this bias here that. Um, people truly are fueled by, right? And so really kind of looking at videos of everything that happened yesterday and and obviously, you know, it's it's a it's it's there is no excuse or there's no allowance for violence or or you know, a lack of law and order. But there's also descriptions and, and, and narratives and, and ways of telling a story that are accurate, but then also ways of telling a story where, you know, there's a little bit of a loaded cannon there and as sensitive as things are with the distrust that people have kind of been conditioned to sort of have towards our, our, our media and our social platforms, there's a big question of what's real and what's not real. And if we know that we're being censored and if we know that people are being throttled up and throttled down, then if the news is telling me that there's violence taking place, I don't know if I'm going to believe that. And, if the, and likewise, if the news is saying it's peaceful, we also don't know if we're going to believe that because we just, we just need to see the facts for what they are. And social media platforms should be that forum uh, what we've seen lately, unfortunately, it's just not the case. Uh, Edward Snowden really kind of honed in on it today when he said, by Facebook officially silencing the president, this really is a turning point in this, this new battle for what's going to move or what's going to take place moving forward. Interestingly enough, on the, on the left side of things, uh, Hillary Clinton's communications director, uh, Jennifer Palmieri, she pointed out that the same day that social media companies um, – really decided that, you know what, we're going to silence Trump today. On the same day, they also <laughs> found themselves in a situation where they learned that Democrats would chair all congressional committees for the next at least two years. Uh, so it's very interesting, you know, how social media platforms are, start, are sort of playing the political game now. You know, the Biden's going to be very soft on, on big tech uh, and certainly social media. And now Congress is as well. Uh, for a while, Congress was saying, 
hey, you know what? Social media platforms need to control the, the narrative because we can't have hate speech on our platforms. Well, big tech is in their pocket, right? They're going to they're gonna pretty much do whatever big tech tells them to do at this point. Um, we have to continue to push for Section 230 reform. We can't get rid of it necessarily. I don't think that's the right move. But to really kind of fix this problem, there has to be some sort of consistency built into really just that, that checklist of is this content okay or is this not okay? Yeah, we are founded uh, with the idea that we need a free press. And But it, it's really interesting that you know a few of the biggest, most powerful media outlets in our country are controlled by, I believe, about six corporations. Six different business leaders kind of control you know, what to publish and what not to publish and what to edit. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a scary reality, but, you know, I think the beauty of our country is diversity and without diverse thought and without uh, a diverse uh, information sharing coming from a, a multitude of sources with also access to that information, allowing people to, to be exposed to it. And for, for American citizens as individuals to decide, you know, what do I care about reading? What do I, what do I just kind of not care about today? Uh, what do I believe? What what don't I believe? We have to be given that opportunity to make up these decisions for ourselves. Um, and so, you know, to your point about kind of the beauty of really just having access to to our leaders, you know, that's that's so important. And I'm I'm very concerned about the next four years because we're already hearing stories about um, the requirement to be on this pre-approved list with pre-approved questions. Uh, if you're going to be a journalist who's going to ask questions to President-elect Biden. That, that's a problem. We oh, have to be able goodness, to catch them right? off guard, and we have to be able to get the real <clears throat> download. What's going on, man? Yeah, it's scary where we're heading. I wanted to talk to your strengths in particular as a chief marketing officer with Agency Partner Interactive, right? So you're a marketer. And part of marketing is uh, putting something in a good light, uh, putting your best foot forward. So, uh, but... Uh, a good marketer, in my opinion, and I'll get your thoughts on this, isn't someone who tells lies or or really spins truth. Uh, when you do that, you're not really doing your clients any good. Oh, absolutely right. I, well, from a consumer perspective, I think a good marketer's job is to help buyers buy something that they're already interested in or they already need. You know, you're, you're really helping somebody through a purchase decision with education. And so that's that's on the consumer side of things. And, and frankly, we're kind of at a point now where people don't really believe marketers. You know, we, we don't, <laughs> as so consumers, true. we don't really believe the advertising. You know, it's just like, oh, it's it's so produced. You know, it looks it looks so good on screen, but is that really what it's going to be like when I have that product? You know, and so as a generation, kind of looking at uh, the up and comers, right, Gen Zs, they're the the things that motivate them to to make certain decisions about what they're going to buy into and what they're not going to buy into is authenticity. You know, that's why customer reviews are so powerful. And and when you look at how this kind of plays into our politicians and, and even our, our influencers and our celebrities and our and our sports figures, the the personal side of, of, of really those individuals and those brands is what connects them with this this up and coming generation Z. So that's why a lot of social platforms are so impactful because it gives you access to what's going on off the field and it gives you access to what's going on when the door is closed. So that, that level of authenticity is just, it's everything, right? So if we're not able to achieve any sort of authentic or genuine sort of one-to-one exchanges with our elected officials, then we're never going to have that trust 
that I think really our, our public is demanding today. And it, with regard to the president no longer being on Twitter or Facebook, uh, we, we're not giving the public the opportunity to look and go, oh my gosh, that was stupid, to see for ourselves. We just don't know. Uh, it's as though we only want to get a certain message out there. And so I think we're, if I might say, marketing America wrongly. I'll give you the final word. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. We, we are marketing America wrongly. We don't want, um, I guess I'll say, an overproduced you know, message. We want something that's real and genuine and authentic and something that we can trust. And so I agree that in a lot of ways, what we're seeing now, America is being marketed to in a very wrong way. It's just not a way that resonates. People generally are, are pretty smart for the most part. Of course, we make stupid decisions, but for the most part, people are pretty <laughs> smart. And I think as Americans, we're very good at making um, certain decisions. I think that we should at least be given the opportunity to make decisions about what we kind of gravitate towards. So um, for big brands, for politicians alike, even when it comes to adoption of the COVID vaccine, you know, give us authentic, genuine messaging and case studies that we can trust, right? Don't, don't give me a, a really flashy and good looking commercial on TV. Give propaganda. My, give my can I say propaganda? Because exactly. it feels like you I'm being right. propagandized. <laughs> That's exactly it. Don't give me propaganda. You know, give give my my health expert that I trust, my doctor, actual case studies and data that is trustworthy, and and let me as an individual talk to my health expert about what I want to do for my body, um, or what I don't want to do. Right? Don't give me propaganda. Don't 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 do that. And even even still, like these these videos of our politicians uh, on camera getting the shot, that could be saline. Right? We don't know. We we, we really don't. <laughs> so. Don't give me propaganda. Yes. Give me and I'm not a real doctor. I just play one on TV. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> Man, right this on. has been so good. I so appreciate you. Don't don't let this be the last time you join us, Adam. It, it's really well, refreshing for people to hear this kind of conversation that isn't about my left-leaning ideology, right-leaning ideology, what we want you to think, but just having a real exchange in a free way. See, that's what America used to look like. And so <laughs> you see some bastions of places that. it's still there. I think so. You're so positive. I like that. As long as 2021 does not say, wait, hold my beer. Uh, eventually, we'll, <laughs> you know, we, we, we got to come to reason. I don't know. But Adam, thank you so very much for contacting us. And we have information on you everywhere you hear this broadcast. Thanks, Adam been a privilege. Thank you so much. Well, here's where we really want to delve a little deeper into the God story. I've invited a former doctor. He is a man who delves into prophecy, but going beyond our prophecy report, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks, how do the happenings of today fit in to what might be the future God story, biblical prophecy, I wanted to get to maybe more of the God story for today. Richard Ruling is with us, called him last minute because I wanted to get his thoughts. Uh, so I, I know we have a little bit of an echo on the line, but Richard, it seems like everything is falling apart at the seams. And I think looking for the God story, what would you say it is? Why are we seeing the things happening today that we are? It's a long story, but uh, it's easy in our history to think back to Roe v. Wade and what we did there. 
and God judged Egypt for killing babies. Remember, they killed through the Israelite babies in the River Nile, and they enslaved people, uh, you know, uh, Israel. And America has done it worse than that, because uh, while they may have murdered uh, 100 or 1,000 babies, we have done 60 million. And uh, the, uh, we enslaved most of Americans in, in alcohol, tobacco, different substances, drugs. Uh, we call it medical care even, and yet it's a form of bondage when people could uh, live better, eat better, and not need uh, so many drugs, you know. Amen. So uh, I just say um, we, we, we have been, it's been coming for a long time, and we have uh, spurned God like Israel did. We, it, 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 we've gone against great light because this country was founded for freedom, and uh, now we're really in a in a mess, you know. So, uh, and I believe there's a there's a text: Who can bring a, bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Well, only God can do that, and I believe He will if we understand it. And I appreciate your interest in in uh, kind of letting it out to others as well. But I think we're going to go through big trouble uh, to prove it to ourselves that, that we're in a mess and we need God's answer. Yeah. It's as though God is allowing us to go down a road, feel the consequences of our choices, and somewhere along there, we realize we need that deeper story. We need that God story. Yes. Well, uh, and, and the, unfortunately, the, the Bible is not the easiest book to understand, but the broad picture is clear that there is a God of love, and the New Testament is to show his love for us. And somehow uh, we've been busy with TV and uh, money and other things and just a good life. But Laodicea is uh, uh, that last of seven churches which thinks it's rich, increased with goods, need of nothing, when really uh, the description is that we're poor, blind, naked, and and, uh, not in good shape, basically. What do you think would be the hope? What what could we as individuals be concentrating on to be to make a difference? Well, number one, I think in the ancient sanctuary that they or tabernacle they had in the wilderness, there was uh, an apartment that represented uh, the holy life. There was showbread, which represented the bread of life. Uh, now we think Christ is the bread of life, yes, but uh, we need to read the word. And he said, Christ said, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we need a little time every day, I think. Uh, just as you eat a meal, uh, people uh, should read their Bible or some very good book that points to the Bible and explains it so that they are understanding it better. Uh, that's that's bread, and and uh, in that inner that holy place there was showbread, there was uh, uh, a table uh, altar of incense which represented prayers. The incense would ascend, and our prayers ascend to God as we appeal to Him, and we want Him in our life, and we we ask Him to take control. Show us by Your Holy Spirit what You want, and uh, this is. And then the third, the third thing in that holy place was a table of candlesticks. Uh, our witness, our sharing, our walking in the spirit. Uh, where, where you know, it's not just uh, eat and breathe, but it's uh, work in some way for him and trying to do something. As you are, even you know, uh, this is a ministry, and I. I so uh, I think as you try to elucidate uh, the principles that can help anybody, uh, some will get it and, and some will wait and see. And uh, I think we're in a, in a bad time to wait and see because uh, big wow. things are going to come. And if we just wait and see, uh, it'll, it'll be like a tsunami. We, we didn't get out of the way in time. 
I am kind of excited because I know God is in control and I can rest in him. And I am so delighted that you let me just call you like this out of the blue and spent time with me. You're such a blessing. Thank you so much, Richard. I really do appreciate it. I live for people like you. God bless you, and, and let's do it again sometime. <laughs> I would like that. All right, I'll let you go. Thank you again. God bless you. All right, getting back to basics and seeking out, if there's a God, can we see evidence of him? And what does he want of us, not our political party, not even of the media, not of our elected officials, not of the people and the protests and the issues that we care about. But what does he expect of us? If you've heard the God story today and it excites you, you may want to share this, like it, tell your friends. Let's grow it. and Let's get the God story out. Thanks for being with us today. More news and views at MyMichelleLive.com.